Coming up on the talk show, it's Mike Effing White season. The Jets play Thursday night football again, and the historic performance of Mike White has a chance to take the show on the road in Indianapolis. We'll see what happens tonight. There are a lot of storylines in the NFL, some really awful ones. I get into all those storylines. I talk some NBA, and I pick all the games for this week in the NFL. All that and a lot more coming up. Stick around. Episode 52 of the talk show. We got a lot to talk about, um, a lot of storylines in the NFL, um, and then we'll pick the games. It's already Thursday night, and it's been quite a crazy week in the NFL and sports in general and uh, my work life and all that. So uh, it's Thursday night again. It seems like this is what I've been doing, doing the Thursday night podcast. I try and get it out before the Thursday night football game, which this week features my team. But um, I want to start with something else, actually, because people have been killing the NFL. And people have been talking about how the NFL has all these negative storylines and all these bad publicity. And when is the NFL going to learn? When are they going to change? When are they going to discipline their players or anything? And this week, the storylines are OBJ, Henry Ruggs, obviously, and Aaron Rodgers. And each totally different stories. I'm not going to compare them to each other. But the NFL is a business. And we keep feeding them because what ends up happening is every single Sunday, we tune in and we watch. Um, at the end of the day, I think the story for the NFL, the biggest story today should be Mike White. And it should be, this is a guy, an underdog. We all love underdog stories. They're making a movie about the life of Kurt Warner. We love Tom Brady, six round pick. It's a, out of nowhere. It should be about Mike White and the Colts trying to write the ship versus this guy, Mike White, who we've never heard of, who had a historic first career start, who's coming into his second game with his jersey already in the NFL Hall of Fame, which is just crazy. But that's not the story. The story is OBJ and Henry Ruggs and Aaron Rodgers. And the story last week was John Gruden and the Redskins. The story the week before that was Urban Meyer. It's not killing the league, though. It doesn't matter because you know what? You know what gets more clicks? Henry Ruggs gets more clicks. Aaron Rodgers gets more clicks. You know, I saw someone on Twitter said, and it wasn't someone who really gets paid to have an opinion. It's somebody who has become famous because of their father. It's Gary Sheffield's son. He posted that I've se- I'm seeing so many more stories about Aaron Rodgers not being vaccinated and lying about it than I am about what Henry Ruggs did. And Henry Ruggs literally killed a person. Now, I'll get into the Henry Ruggs thing in a minute. I wrote an article about that for Condru- Conduct Detrimental. And it's terrible. That situation is awful. I mean, every time I just read more and more has come out of about it over the last few days. It just gets more and more awful. And when I first read the story, it was just so terrible. Um, but you know why the Rogers thing is getting more talked about? Because right now what's going on in America with the vaccines and not vaccines, that's what gets talked about. They want clicks. It's a click business. And you know what? We keep tuning in every Sunday, every Thursday, and every Monday. We tune in for three hours. So they're going to keep putting these stories out. Remember, uh, I was old enough. I'm old enough to remember maybe 10 years ago when the concussion thing happened, when everyone's like, Football is never going to be played again. The NFL is going to die. You know why? Because kids aren't going to be allowed to play football anymore because of all these CTE and the concussion and the and the lawsuits against the NFL and all these different things. Hey, football's still here. <laughs> football didn't die. Football survived that. Football survives all these things. And not only that, football thrives off these stories. If the story was just Mike White tonight, they wouldn't be getting clicks to their website and talked about on every talk show. Yeah, in New York, all anyone could talk about is Mike White. But nationally, people want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. and his drama. They want to talk about Baker Mayfield. They want to talk about the low light reel that OBJ's father put out. They want to talk about Henry Ruggs. 
TMZ picks up the videos and all that stuff. And if you saw that video, it just got awful. I think Mike White's a great story. But <laughs> the NFL thrives off this drama. It's a business. We keep tuning in. They get their clicks. They get their money. And that's the bottom line. And it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. They want the attention. The Astros won the World Series this week. And all we're talking about is the NFL. Right? So the games is what drives them. And we all still watch the games. So they're not losing revenue there. And my opinion is this is just good for the league. And as much as that sucks because it's negative stuff and stuff that you don't want to talk about. But that's what people want to hear. And I do want to talk about it for a minute. Generally, when it comes to the classic in the media topics, I don't touch on it too much. I You've noticed with the NBA 75 team, I think that's the last example I could think of where I was just like, hey, I'm not going to talk about that because it's just media and it's just banter. It's just clickbait. Um, here I'm actually going to talk about it a little bit more because... It's just such an avoidable situation that's so freaking awful. The Henry Rugg situation is just so terrible. And the article I wrote basically was, don't drink and drive. Don't do stupid things. Now, I didn't know this at the time. But there, when you get into the NFL, no matter who you are, if you are an NFL football player, you get a card with a number on it. And if you ever need a ride anywhere, you call the number and they take you. Whether you're under the influence, whether you don't have a car, or you don't want to call an Uber. It's a private limo service, basically, for every single football player who plays in the NFL. Even if you're Mike White from three weeks ago, you get the card, it has the number, and you show it to the driver and you're good to go. Why would you get behind the wheel of a car and go 156 miles an hour completely beyond drunk? It, it's just beyond me. And I, I blame sports and I blame culture and I blame society because those people who we've seen this so many times. How many times do you hear about a celebrity or the most recent thing I could think of is Zach Scott, the general manager for the Mets. Yeah, he had a DUI, whatever. Driving, he had a DWI, driving while intoxicated. All right, we didn't hear anything of it. Like, so many times we hear, oh, this guy had a DUI in the offseason. Don't worry, he paid the ticket, it was fine. We never hear until there's, it takes a tragedy, it takes a 23-year-old girl dying and her whole life and her parent, family's life and her parents, her loved ones, her friends, everyone's life being ruined. And the life of Henry Ruggs, by the way, their life being ruined for us to wake up. Why does it have to get this far? Why aren't we talking about it every time in the offseason a third string linebacker on the Colts gets caught down in Florida drag racing while drunk just because nobody got hurt? That is beyond me. And that is something that the league has to look at themselves and they have to take a, a certain amount of blame for this. Henry Ruggs had a decision to make here. That's 100%. But what went into allowing him to make that decision might, be, might go beyond just Henry Ruggs personally. And Henry Ruggs personally, he should rot in jail. I hope he does. And I'm not saying that he's a good person. And I know what Derek Carr said. Derek Carr has been in a tough situation the last couple of weeks talking about people he cares about who have done terrible things when it was John Gruden and now Henry Ruggs. And he's trying to be supportive of people that he loves and is really close with. Well, at the same time, you know, <laughs> he has to admit how terrible what they did was. So I think it's weird what he said, but it's still awful what Ruggs did. And I do feel for Ruggs. And a lot of the blame is on him, but he's a 22 year old millionaire 
who thinks he's invincible and has been given the green light to think that it's okay to do something like this because past in the past people have done it and just gotten away with it. And I don't understand why that's not okay at all. So that, that's all I got to say. It That has to stop. And if, if you're out there and you had a beer and you went and got behind the wheel of a car, I mean, I don't know. You could talk about the legal, legal level of the blood alcohol, whatever the term is. Um, or it's just don't do it. Like, it's just so bad. I, I was out that night with um, my siblings and my wife and we. I drove home and they all drank and I I wouldn't even take a sip of the beer. It's just not worth it. <laughs> like it just really isn't and it sucks that it takes a 23-year-old girl dying and dying in the worst possible way and if you saw the video of her car just burning and things exploding on the inside of the car while she was probably burning alive in the car to death. That is just awful. And it really sucks that it took that happening. Don't do it. Just <laughs> Call an Uber. Call a friend. Don't drink if you know you have to drive. All right. Shifting gears majorly um, is the OBJ story, which has been getting more news, weirdly, than the Henry Rugg story. And nobody wants to talk about awful things. It, 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 I get it. But at the same time, like I think it's important to talk about these things. The reason I'm talking about it is it's important to learn a lesson and to move forward and learn how not to do this and learn how to behave. And I think it wasn't done enough prior to someone dying, and that's why someone died. OBJ, um, obviously, his father sends out the low reel. He gets excused from practice. They might cut him. Um, I posted on Twitter today at about like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, you know, OBJ is on OBJ. At this point, he didn't get along with Eli Manning. The Giants traded him away. They're a pretty functional organization, especially during the Manning era. They were a pretty functional organization. Eli Manning has never had an issue with anyone. He got into a fight with a net. OBJ is an OBJ problem. Do not put this on Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's shortcomings are on the football field. They're not off it. And I said, I wonder what Colin Coward is going to say about this. And of course, he put it on Baker Mayfield. Don't listen to Colin Coward. Please don't, because this is not on Baker Mayfield at all. I watched the interview. Baker Mayfield handled this maturely and professionally. And the shots were taken directly at him, and he handled this as maturely and professionally as you possibly could. You'd expect a 10-year veteran who's a Hall of Famer to handle it the way he handled it. And you know what? He has to stand up there. He has a target on his back. Everyone, There's the frat boy mentality that we have, the way we view Baker Mayfield. And he got stood up there and was mature and just said all the right things. And you know what? This is an Odell Beckham problem. And do I think he could be passing, catching passes in two weeks from now from Tom Brady down in Tampa? And everyone's going to look like, hey, look, it's working out great. Or doing the same thing for Bill Belichick in New England? Maybe and probably. But don't make this about Baker and the Browns. This has nothing to do with their organization or Baker for once. This has to do with Odell Beckham. This was Odell Beckham before he was there, and it's Odell Beckham now. Odell Beckham is an incredible talent, but we've seen this before. The Aaron Rodgers situation, I'm not really going to get into it. He lied. That's the biggest deal. Like, if you want to talk about Kyrie Irving and what's wrong with Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving at least never lied. Kyrie Irving said, I'm not vaccinated, and he got hate for it, but he never lied. 
All right, let's get to um, Mike White and the Jets because this should be the story. So people might stop listening now because this is going to get less clicks, right? Um, But uh, Mike White is going to play a football game tonight, and it should be fun. Like, that's how I'm going into the game. Now, I talked to Rob Long about this earlier this week because Mike White beating the Bengals directly obviously affected the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens um, won, well, they had a bye week, but the Bengals were in first place over them in the division in the AFC North. And the Jets just beat them, and now the Baltimore Ravens can leapfrog the Bengals again. But what Rob Long said to me, he's like, listen, they fell in love with Zach Wilson because they saw him make a couple of great throws in a combine. And maybe he's just not that great. Like, this offense, all of a sudden, the play calling looked incredible. All of a sudden, the skilled position players looked incredible. Everything worked the second Mike White went in there. And now I talked about this last week and everyone who was texting me, so many people, and I hope you guys are all listening to this podcast because everyone who texted me, I'm going to send you a link to this episode. So if you're listening now, it's because you texted me last week. Here's my response to you. You're welcome. Listen, I literally had, I've never had so many people texting me in my life about sports. Like so many people texted me. It's like when something terrible happens to the Jets, everyone wakes up and they come running to me. Um, and this was actually a good thing. This is not a bad thing necessarily. And I'll, I'll, I'll go through it. I said last week, and clearly all these people who texted me didn't listen to the podcast last week. So I sent them the clip where I said, you know what? I'll play the clip. Here's the clip of what I said last week. The Jets have an issue. You have to build your scheme to your players. You can't fit your players into your scheme. Now, the real good coordinators, uh, Josh McDaniels in New England is great at this. Now, with the Jets system right now, they're new, right? It's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new head coach. They're trying to learn these things. So I do think they'll learn these things over time. They, they're not dumb. They're obviously no football. They're smart. It's been five games. I think they can figure that out. But they do have to figure out because I, the reason I'm saying this is because Mike White might play play better than Zach Wilson did the last few weeks. That's a very big possibility because maybe he's a better fit for LaFleur's offense. And LaFleur, all he has to do is look at that and say, you know what? I have to fit my offense better to my franchise quarterback, which is Zach Wilson, not Mike White. That's not going to be a problem. I don't want to see the headlines next week. Mike White is better than Zach Wilson. Look at that. I don't want to see that next week. All I want to see is that hey, this is a guy who's like, oh my God, this scheme fits better for this quarterback, which means I need to fit a scheme that's better for my real franchise quarterback. That's not hedging. That wasn't hedging my bet. I was saying, I told you so. The reason I can say I told you so now is because I told you he might look better. I knew that this would happen. He would look better and everyone's going to come running. Ooh, Zach Wilson sucks. (laughs) Look, your franchise quarterback sucks. Great, cool. Um, Now what Rob Long said is, Zach Wilson actually might suck. Like, we don't know what he is. But at the same time, Mike White's a guy who sat behind other quarterbacks. He's been in the league for four years. He's smarter. He's seen the game from a different perspective. It slowed down for him. And when he got his opportunity, he made the most of it. Now, what he has shown, I have to give him credit. He stood tall in the pocket, made the quick, easy passes. When the pocket started to break down, he didn't run out of there. And that's been a real problem for Zach Wilson. You know who else that's been a real problem for this year? Always 
running out of the pocket too early instead of waiting for things to, to develop for just a couple seconds longer. Patrick Mahomes, the guy who we always talked about as the greatest quarterback ever, we were saying a year ago. And you know what? Mahomes still has all the talent in the world, but you start to get into bad habits sometimes. When you can make those incredible plays outside the pocket, you start wanting to make those plays. And the offense looks so much better because the scheduled plays, the designed plays were working because Mike White was patient and wasn't trying to do something spectacular. And maybe the game plan will have to change this week because the Colts will adjust to that. But at the same time, credit Mike White, but also credit Zach. Like, you can't take that away from Zach Wilson, who's a young kid. To me, this is a no-lose, a no-win situation. No, I meant a no-lose situation. To me, this is a no-lose situation for the Jets. If Mike White continues to be great, you continue to play him, and you bench Zach Wilson, and he learns behind a quarterback who's competent, and he gets to sit and watch. And that could be great for him. If Mike White's awful, you just bring Zach back in. So it's really not a big deal. And if Mike White is really great, like, I mean, great, great, then you found your franchise quarterback. Who the hell cares how you did it? You found him. What Robert Sala said, and he he said it best. He's like, hey, you guys are the media. You guys are going to make a story out of this. We're going to go with the guy who gives us the best chance to win every Sunday. He wasn't committed to his second overall pick in the draft. But nobody should. Can you imagine if the Patriots went back to Bledsoe? (laughs) Where would Tom Brady be right now, right? What does scare me is Vegas put a huge number on this game. And now they're just daring you to bet it. It's minus 10.5 for the Colts. They're like, they want people to take the number and to take the Jets. That makes me think they think that. Now, well, I know that they think the Colts are going to blow the doors off the Jets and that Mike White stinks. And maybe everyone across the country is saying that. I listen to a lot of New York sports talk, so I'm sorry if I'm a little jaded in that direction. And listen, I told you before the week that Mike White might not be great. So why am I changing my tune now? Why am I all of a sudden giving this credit to Mike White when last week it was, oh, Mike, first of all, what he did was historical. So that's the first reason why I'm changing my tune. Second, I'm a fan. When was the last time I was in a position, a primetime game, to be so hyped up? I talked about this with the Yankees. Enjoy the ride as it goes. Did that work out for me with the Yankees? No, but enjoy it as it goes. I couldn't listen to all this. All these Jets fans get so hyped about Mike effing White and not hop on the bandwagon and say, you know what? I can be excited. Let me be excited about my football team. How often am I excited about my football team? What, once every three years I'm excited about the Jets? So I wanted to be excited. Sue me. And that's that, That's the bottom line. I'm going to be a fan tonight. And you know what the best case scenario is? The Jets hurt Drew Bledsoe, which led to Tom Brady becoming Tom Brady. And now the Patriots, they delivered the punch. They hurt Zach Wilson, which could lead to Mike effing White being Mike effing White. Wouldn't that be awesome? Bill Simmons made a good point about the game. He's like, who do you trust more at the end of the day? Do you trust Carson Wentz or Mike White? And yes, Mike White's still an unknown. He's played six quarters of football in his career. But Carson Wentz, the known is worse than the unknown in this scenario. We know Carson Wentz is going to do at least two or three boneheaded things every I always say on this podcast, and I say it on Twitter. I don't know why. I don't love it. But Carson Wentz is an idiot. Somehow I always end up tweeting that during his game because you know in a big spot in the game, at least twice, he's going to make a really dumb decision. He's going to decide to toss the ball underhanded while he's getting sacked right into the hands of defensive linemen. 
how many times have we seen him do that? He's an idiot. He's going to throw the ball away on a fourth down. <laughs> like, those are things that Carson Wentz do, does. And Bill Simmons like, I trust Mike White more than I trust Carson Wentz. And he's right. The worst thing that could happen for Mike White and the Jets tonight, and the numbers minus 10 and a half, I'm telling you right now, I'm already taking the Jets because I think this is what's going to happen. The worst thing that could happen is Mike White is mediocre. Because then Zach's healthy next week. And we say, okay, now what do we do? Mike White threw kind of like 200 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Wasn't great. Wasn't bad. Just lost by a couple points. They were in the game. He kept them in the game. That's the worst thing that could happen. If Mike White blows and he throws five interceptions, great. Good riddance. It was fun while it lasted. If he's great, well, we keep riding it, right? If he's mediocre, then it leaves you in a, just an awful, perfectly Jets situation. And I have a feeling that's what's going to be. So I think the Colts are going to win, but I think the Jets are going to cover and we're going to be like, eh, he's Mike White. You know what I mean? He was Mike effing White last week. We we If he's effing Mike White, you're the worst, then that's fine. But if he's just eh, Mike White, then that's the worst situation for me. All right, I'm going to hit some uh, basketball topics. And let's start with the Knicks. I always start there. The Knicks are stumbling and bumbling as... The great Walt Clyde Frazier would say. They haven't looked great. And the thing, so here's the thing with the Knicks. They haven't looked great because it looks like the offense is just not fluid, but the real problem is the defense. They're not playing defense and playing it like they played last year. And maybe in empty arenas last year, they were the team that was always getting up and they had more energy than everyone else. But now with the crowd and the energy, and we see road teams coming into Madison Square Garden, we're seeing this in hockey with the Rangers, we're seeing this with the Knicks, the road teams are coming in energized to play with that packed house, that packed building that the Madison Square Garden atmosphere is back after a year of COVID and fans are feeling it. And maybe that's allowing them to get a little bit of an edge as weird as it, as it is. Um, and I mean, the players, the road players are feeling that and that's, what's giving them a little bit of an edge. And that's not great. The Knicks are heavily reliant on the three pointer. Um, and I, I said this at the beginning, you can't be so reliant. We know about the 2000, 13 Knicks were so reliant on the three-pointer and then they went cold in the playoffs against the Pacers and that's why they lost that series so you have to have other ways to do it and I thought they had a lot of playmakers with Evan Fournier Kemba Walker but when those guys disappear and Emmanuel quickly I said their depth is great quickly has been awful this season um, Julius Randle has not been the Julius Randle that he was last year for the most part although he's shown spurts and stretches but he for the most part he hasn't been that guy and it just really looks like the team is not fully gelling I think they need to do more on offense um, and just put in more effort on defense. The one positive, R.J. Barrett is turning into a budding star right in front of our eyes, and that is awesome to watch. So 82 games. It's a long, long season. There's going to be ups and downs. Um, it's not going to be long before they start asking the fatigue questions because when they're not showing effort, that's what you look, That's what you go to. You're like, hey, fatigue. Look, their shots look short. They're all hitting the front rim. That's a, that's a tired thing. That's tired legs. Um, so And it's Tibbs, so people are going to start asking those questions. But... Listen, it's a long season, and I'm not going to overreact right now, at least, to uh, what's going on. And by the way, with the other teams writing bing bong after they beat the Knicks, go ahead, write that. But we're still going to say it when they win. <laughs> but um, yeah, you have every right to do that. Um, the other story in the NBA that I love, I absolutely love this story, is I always have, there's a um, league pass team, right? I have NBA league pass. I shouldn't have said that on this because I'm going to get a text from at least seven people saying, hey, what's your league pass code? But whatever. Um, I know those types of people. 
and you know who you are. Um, the league pass team this year, though, is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think I said this at the beginning of the year. We're like, I don't know, the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, I have no interest in them. I have a lot of interest in the Memphis Grizzlies. Every single one of their games is fun. I don't even care who's playing. I know one guy, John Morant. And what John Morant has done so far this season, I thought I'd never see this again. Really, I thought I'd never see this again. And that was the Derrick Rose MVP season. I thought that's the most incredible season I've ever seen. Just the clutch shots. He always made the jumper when you needed him to, even though he wasn't a great jump shooter. His court vision, he was playing above the rim, his speed, his creativity around the rim, his ability to get to the rim and to get to blow by anyone with ease, his explosiveness, his speed. I thought I'd never see anything like it again. And I, I thought it was one of the greatest unknowns. Would we ever see if we saw a, gr- a full career of that? That would be the greatest basketball player ever, in my opinion. And we're seeing that season with John Morant. Now, I talk a lot with um, Jeremy Kahn, who also hosts the morning show with Rob Long on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. And we talk a lot about the Memphis Grizzlies. He says, obviously, he sees a lot of John Wall, young John Wall, which I get. But I think it's better than John Wall. I think it's that Rose MVP season. And right now, if you look around, John Morant is the MVP favorite very early in the season. And if you haven't watched a Grizzlies game, watch a Grizzlies game. Figure out a way. Pirate it. I don't know. Just watch a Grizzlies game. LeBron is out again. That's not news. Um, and this is what we talked about with LeBron. Uh, he's just going to take off the regular season. This is what he does at this point in his career. And I, I don't think it's a headline. What hasn't been a headline either in the NBA is Utah. Utah is quietly 6-1. and one. Um, Have I watched a ton of their games? No. Did I see that coming? Yeah, they're always great in the regular season. But I feel like this year, people aren't talking about it because they the way they folded um, in the postseason last year. Moving on to baseball. The Braves won the World Series this week. Give a round of applause for the Braves real quick. Um, did I ever think that core was going to win a World Series before the Yankees won a World Series? And their core, their young core? No. So is that depressing? Yes. The Astros lose, so America wins, right? That's the other storyline of the World Series. And again, I think it was a very no-buzz World Series, as um, Al Dukes would say. I, I didn't watch a ton of it, to be honest. There's other sports going on, and baseball just does such a brutal job of marketing themselves. Um, but everyone's talking about, I've seen this headline a bunch of places. Wow, can you imagine? This Astros unit, this Astros core has so many great players, and they've never won a World Series. Yeah, I get it. It's cute. Their 17 World Series doesn't count. Guess what? I'm a Yankee fan. They beat the Yankees in the ALCS in 2017 after the Yankees went to Houston up 3-2. And Houston knew exactly what was coming, when it was coming in 17. And again in 19, I will die on the hill of Altuve wearing a buzzer. I am 100% most certain he was wearing a buzzer. And you know what? I'd rather be an Astros fan today. Because to me, I partied and I partied in 17. I had that World Series. You can't take that experience away from me just by telling me it doesn't count now. So I have this argument with people. I, I would have zero. I would have zero guilt about it. Do I care that three years later, four years later, I found out that they were cheating? No, in the moment, I had the best time of my life. They won the World Series. If somebody came to me now and said, hey, the Yankees were cheating in 2009. It's been proven. They were cheating. We're taking that World Series away from them. Do it. I watched the games. I partied. I had a great time. I was happy. I got the excitement. Sports is in the moment, right? It's, that's what I always talk about. That's what I talked about early on in the episode with Mike White. It's what I talked about the Yankees all year. 
So as a fan, yes, the players, maybe, okay, they have to live with it. That's a whole different thing. The fans, you want to tell call, oh, cheating Astros. <laughs> Can you imagine if somebody came out somehow the Knicks were cheating last year? And that's why they're not good this year. And they were they were cheating last year. That, that year shouldn't count for them. They shouldn't have been the fourth seed. Does that take anything away from how fun that season was and how inspiring that team was? No. Um, so that's that's that. Like I would rather be an Astros fan than a Yankee fan right now. Sorry. So for all the people who are out there saying, oh, ho, ho, the Astros still never won. You wish you were them. You wish you had that World Series. You wish you were in the World Series every year. Meanwhile, the Braves, it's incredible what they've done. Everyone loves an underdog. There's a team, they win 88 games in the regular season. And for contrast, the Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays won 91 games and didn't make the playoffs. And that's why I think all sports should just have a playoff system where divisions are stupid. Just <laughs> the top eight teams or however many teams in your uh, sport make the playoffs in baseball. What is it? 12, 10. You have those top teams all make the playoffs. I think it's 10. Um, and you just reseed them then when the playoffs start. <laughs> because the Blue Jays, 91 wins, don't make the playoffs. The Braves, 88 wins, win the World Series. And you got to take advantage. If you're the Braves, good for you. Like, look what the Montreal Canadiens did last year. They had a worse record than a lot of teams in the NHL. But because of how the divisions worked with the Canadian division being so bad, they rode it all the way to the Stanley Cup and they lost in the final. They didn't win like the Braves did. But at the end of the day, they, they made it all the way there. So I'm sure all the fans were enjoying that run. And if you think about it, they lose Acuna in the middle of the year, and they could have folded. They were back in the division. Everyone's like, well, it's the Mets or the Phillies, right? But they went for it. This is what I talk about. You want to see this in sports. You want to see teams go for it. And think about it. The guys that they brought in, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, and Jock Peterson. Those are arguably the three biggest contributors on that team on this entire playoff run, World Series run. Those might have been the three biggest contributors. And those are guys that they traded because they decided we're going for it. And good for them. You love to see that. That's why baseball is a bit different than any other sport where these underdogs just come out of nowhere and they could win. You see it a little in the NFL. You see it a lot in hockey. You don't see it in the NBA as much come playoff time. <laughs> but you got to love baseball for that. There's something romantic about baseball. And seeing a guy like Freddie Freeman, who's been there for 12 years, and his long career and how incredible he is. It's awesome to see a guy like that who's just really one of the good guys of sports in general, but particularly baseball, win a World Series. That's awesome. Well, that means it's officially the offseason, so it's time for the Yankee overhaul. And do it now. <laughs> There's no reason to wait around anymore. Do it now. I mean, Freddie Freeman, he should be the first guy on your list. Pry him away from Atlanta. A left-handed bat at Yankee Stadium, a great first baseman, a guy in the lo locker room in the clubhouse. We've heard they've had locker room or clubhouse problems, the, all these stories coming out now. Bring that guy in. That'll make a difference. Trust me, I get it. They kept the manager. I'm annoyed about that. But bring a guy like Freddie Freeman in. That'll change the team. I'm telling you. So the Yankee overhaul starts now, though we might not see baseball for a while. I don't know what's happening with the new CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, and the Players Association, there might be a work stoppage, and that would be uh, pretty bad for my work situation. Um, but it would also be just bad for sports and bad for baseball. And I really hope they can try and avoid that because that would be a really terrible thing for them to do. Uh, but we may not be seeing baseball for a while. Um, in hockey, I'll talk about this now. Jack Eichel got traded. And the reason I mention it is he didn't get traded to the Rangers. He got traded to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And 
He was rumored to the Rangers for a long time. They signed Adam Fox to a new seven-year deal. Just a regular Jewish kid out of Long Island playing for the Rangers. And he's one of the... I would say he's honestly one of the best hockey players I've seen on the Rangers in a really long time. I mean, the kid is special. I When I first saw him live in his rookie season, I... I immediately said it. I was like, oh my God, that kid is different. And so I'm really happy. And I was happy that the Rangers kind of took themselves out of that, that the Eichel situation became a mess and they removed themselves from that. They didn't lose out to like another team who they have to compete with plenty of times. They play Vegas twice a year than the other conference. And they have direction and it has nothing to do with relying on another player for the first time even though we like the old management and the rangers overall their whole front office for the first time in a while it feels like the rangers actually have a direction they have key pieces they lock up Kreider, they lock up panarin they lock up zibanejad they lock up fox and they have shesterkin now it feels like you have the building blocks of what could be a really good successful franchise and that's important all right to the nfl and picks for this week and let's get it going right away. My week last week was not great. Um, I went six and nine. So not a great week for me in the NFL, but hey, it's a new week. I'm going to do better this week. So the line, again, minus 10 and a half Colts and Jets. I already told you I'm taking the Jets. I think the Colts are going to win, but I'm taking the Jets. And I really hope Zach Wilson can show me something. I see here 67% pick the Jets. And that's exactly why I think the Colts are going to win and cover, but still. I think the Bengals are going to beat the Browns, um, not because of the whole Odell Beckham situation, but I think the Bengals are favored at home by minus two and a half, which means really the Browns are getting the half a point because you get three points just for being at home. Even after last week, I still think the Bengals are really good. I think for the Bengals, that was just they it, it was one of those le- weeks that they overlook. I said that last week before the game where, you know, you, you come off a big divisional win against the Ravens and next week you have another big divisional game. And what did they call that week? That that Valley week or whatever the week in between where they kind of just overlook it and they were looking to this week. And I think they'll come out and look a lot better this week. Dallas Cowboys are minus nine and a half at home against the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos stink, but it's the type of game where the Cowboys just fold for some reason. The Broncos come out of nowhere. So um, right after trading Von Miller, where they really just wave the white flag, even though they're four and four, they can make the playoffs this year with the added, you know, the added wild card. There's 17 games. I thought they should have moved the trade deadline a little bit further into the season because it's so early for a 17 game season, just eight games in. But some of the teams have only played seven games. Uh, the line is Cowboys by minus nine and a half. I'm going to take the Denver Broncos. The Miami Dolphins are home for the Houston Texans. The line is Dolphins minus six and a half. And I really think the Dolphins aren't that much better than the Texans. I think what we've seen from the Dolphins is that they're really bad. They lost to Jacksonville. They can lose to anyone. I think Tyrod Taylor might play this week. So I'm going to take the Texans plus six and a half. The New Orleans Saints are home minus five and a half against the Atlanta Falcons. And again, another team that I don't know. Did you watch the game? Did you watch the Saints game? They don't look that good. Now they don't have. Jameis Winston. I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, they beat Tampa, which is just crazy. So that's probably why they're getting points. I'm going to take the Falcons plus five and a half in this game. The Giants and Raiders. We've seen this before after the John Gruden situation happened. The Raiders got up. They've had an ability to overcome adversity and continue to play well. And I hope they can keep that going. They're minus three and a half at the Giants. I think the Giants 
much like Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones is good for a couple of just really bad mental me- mental errors in a game. I think the Las Vegas Raiders can take advantage and win. And they're minus three and a half. I think they'll cover that line. The Patriots are minus three and a half against the Panthers in a rematch of that Super Bowl. Um, I don't remember which Super Bowl it was other than the fact that it was the Janet Jackson Super Bowl. I don't know. Um, the Patriots are minus three and a half. And I'm going to go with the Pats. Don't look now, but the Pats are coming. The Pats are starting to look like the Pats again. And Bill Belichick is starting to do his thing again. And quietly, they're creeping up. And if they make a playoff game, Mac Jones looks like he might be the guy. I don't know. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I hope this is not the case. But it looked like it could be Patriots in the AFC again for a long, long time. The Jaguars are playing against the Bills. The line is minus 14 and a half. And I think the Bills will cover. I think the Jaguars stink. I think the Bills are really good. They could win by three touchdowns in this game. I'm going to take the Bills on the road, minus three and a half. The Ravens are at home, minus five and a half against the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, he didn't pull through for me last week. I thought last week would be the week, but I forgot that the game was in prime time. I thought last week was the week that he'd show up just so that he can be a bust this this week. So I was really hoping the line would be smaller after they beat the Cowboys last week, even without Dak Prescott. But the line is minus five and a half for the Ravens. I'm still going to take the Ravens. I still think they should win by a touchdown, but I don't feel as great any more about it as I would have if it was coming off of a Vikings win. That being said, the Ravens never lose coming out of the bye. All right. The Chargers are going to the Eagles. It's Chargers minus two and a half. I think that number is way too small. I don't think the Eagles are good. Um, And so I will give the Chargers that. And I think they'll cover. I know they haven't looked great the last couple of weeks. They come off the loss to the Pats, but I think they'll pull it together enough to beat the, to beat the Eagles. Um, Aaron Rodgers list Packers. The Chiefs are minus two and a half, and the Chiefs have looked terrible also, but I can't see the Chiefs losing to I think here's what I think is gonna happen with the Packers. I think they're gonna lose the next two games, or however many games Rodgers went is out. And then they're gonna be so happy he's back, they're not gonna care that he lied or any of that stuff. They're gonna be like, Oh my god, just thank God he's back. Let's go win a Super Bowl, and everyone's gonna be loving Rodgers up again in about a week. So I think that'll blow over once he comes back and they start doing well. All right. The Cardinals minus two and a half against the, the San Francisco 49ers. I don't like the 49ers. I don't think they're good. I'm going to take the Cardinals, even though they're on the road. Um, and they showed me a lot last week. Like obviously Kyler Murray and AJ Green, they weren't on the same page on that play at all. But um, and I think AJ Green is now out with COVID. But uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals there. And then the Sunday nighter and the Monday nighter. Sunday nighter is the Rams home for the Tennessee Titans. They're minus seven and a half are the Rams at home. I'm actually going to take the Rams. I think a huge part of the Titans offense is Derrick Henry. That's not a thought. That's every that's everyone knows that. That's obvious. And I really think they're going to struggle. They the way they change the game is by Henry being out there and they control the game with Derrick Henry. He's a running back who totally controls the game. They won't be able to do that and I think it'll hurt Tannehill, hurt the offense. They're really going to have to tread water until he comes back and I'm going to take the Rams minus seven and a half. I think they could actually blow them out in that game. Monday night football. There's no Manning cast this week, so this game is going to be a real dud. Not going to watch it at all. By the way, I don't think a lot of people who are not Jets or Colts fans are watching tonight. I'm I'm hyped because it's Mike White hype game. I love an underdog. America loves an underdog. Maybe they will be watching, but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> like if I'm not a Jets fan, do I? Am I hyping up the game the way it was, the way I am? I don't think so. Probably not. Either way. The Bears are plus six and a half against the Steelers. I don't think the Steelers are that good. I think the Bears will cover on Monday night in Pittsburgh. And that's all I got for the episode. Let's go Jets. Um, Enjoy Thursday night football. See you next time. 
out the road Take it in Take it with you when you go We said you can't go 